without trust courage is not sufficient uh, courage is important necessary of paramount importance but that courage should be complemented with trust in your heart this is what i did when i wanted to walk from india to america via moscow paris and london what i did courage was of course necessary i took the courage in my heart but then i trusted you just heard satish kumar satish is one of the great peace activists of our time just shortly before our conversation he arrived from a conference of religious leaders and scientists at the vatican by invitation of his holiness pope francis trained as a jain monk and follower of gandhi satish is highly regarded for his peace work in the 1970s advocating for nuclear disarmament by walking an 8000 mile walk to the nuclear capitals of Moscow, Paris, London and Washington DC. He's founder of Schumacher College in Devon, a renowned international center for ecological studies, and editor emeritus of Researchens and Ecologist magazine, which he has been editing for more than 40 years. This last episode for the season gives room for contemplation and reflection, and Satish stresses that reverence for nature should be at the heart of every political and social debate. So we suggest that you take this episode out for a walk in nature. I'm your host Tom Weimann and I'm really glad that you're with us to discover your inner green deal. We started with the question who is Satish and what is dear to him? I am a humble servant of the earth. I am a pilgrim of the earth. I always feel that if we humans live as a pilgrim on the earth and not as tourists on the earth then we can affect the earth in a very beautiful way so I'm an earth pilgrim and I um, work at, at Schumacher College where we are teaching people how to uh, live ecologically and how to live simply so that our program is very much education of head education of hearts and education of hands so uh, so uh, we study together uh, things like ecology deep ecology holistic ecology gaia theory uh, holistic science but at the same time we also live in a community work together cook together garden together clean the house together so that sense of community and a sense of place is Schumacher College and I work there and I teach there and and also I write books and I I write articles and I give some talks and all in the service of humanity and the service of planet earth without any expectations without any desire for any particular outcome just offering my services to the world and if the world accepts it I am grateful if it doesn't accept it I'm still grateful. Satish described himself as a pilgrim and humble servant of the earth. What does it take to be an earth pilgrim and to be a humble servant? So I asked Satish, what message is important to get across? Yes. Um, most important thing for all activists, MPs, politicians, CEOs, anyone most important thing is to act 
to best of your ability to serve the planet, serve the people, and create something which, which they believe in their idealism without expecting results immediately. Because if you are expecting results immediately, and if you don't get results, then you get disappointed. So it is the action which in itself has its intrinsic value. And each little stream will contribute to the great flow of a great river. If each stream starts to feel small, inadequate, ineffective, thinking, I'm only a little stream, what can I do? What effect I will have? That worry does not help. Neither it helps to the stream, nor it helps the great river. So be that little stream and contribute yourself in the great river of transformation and change. And so whoever you are, whether you are a prime minister or a president or an MP or a, a business leader or a small activist like me, we must contribute to best of our ability in the great flow of life and great flow of transformation. That's all we can do. We seem to come from a very result-driven paradigm. We want to see the results of our actions immediately. However, when we try to contribute to sustainability in this complex world, stepping into action, we might not see some results of our actions even within our lifetime. So I asked Satish on his perspective on the relation of action and results. Yes, uh, the result and the action are not separate. For example, a radiator, another example, like a river, radiator radiates heat. The result is radiating. Whether anybody comes to the heater and the radiator and becomes warm or not warm, it radiates. So our work is to be that radiator, be the change that we want to see in the world. Be kind, good, loving, honest, frugal, simple. All these qualities we practice. And when we practice, we influence others. Only through participation in the process of life that we influence each other. It is not me going to change the world. It's the people together. We influence each other. And I change others, others change me. It's a mutuality, it's a reciprocity, it's a kind of journey together, it's a co-creation. If that is the idea, then we have to practice humility. And by being humble, I could, humility and humanity, they come from the same root. And so to be um, human, we have to be humble. Humility and humanity go together. So I would urge all the people who are engaged in change, and transformation. Take the example of great transformers like Nelson Mandela, 27 years in prison. He had a great patience and great love and things changed in the end, but he kept acting. In the same way, there are many, many other great examples we can see in the history. So we learn from them and we do our best to bring transformation in our own lives and the lives of others who we meet. Satish mentioned Schumacher College, an extraordinary place in Devon, UK. 
For the 30th anniversary of the college, Satish published together with other authors a remarkable anthology called Transformative Learning, Reflections on 30 Years of Head, Heart and Hands at Schumacher College. I wondered what sparked the founding of that college 30 years ago. I felt that the educational system had become too narrow. Many of our problems in the world today we face, such as global warming, nuclear weapons, biodiversity diminishing, oceans polluted, biodiversity um, as well as uh, forests, as well as wildlife, um, all diminishing. Our influence on the world is creating problems. And these all by the highly educated people. The pollution, the waste, all being generated by the industry and commerce, which is run by people educated in Harvard, Yale, Oxford, Cambridge, um, many, many big universities of Berlin, Paris, Beijing, Delhi, wherever. So I felt that we need a new kind of education which is education not for personal success, education not for personal ego, but education which does no harm to others, does no harm to nature, does no harm to people. And so we want to create education which is ecologically centered, nature-centered. Our education at the moment is looking at nature as a resource for the economy merely a resource and humans are also merely a resource for profit maximization or economic growth but nature and humans are more than a resource for the economy and production and consumption and profit maximization so we how we honor nature as a source of life and how we honor people as sacred Life is sacred. Human life is sacred. How do we change that consciousness? So we need some new kind of educational model. And so this is what the inspiration, because it's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. It is better to set a good positive example than just criticize all the governments, all the business, all the universities, all the schools, all the colleges, all the other people. So rather than criticism, I wanted to set an example, a positive, creative example. And the Schumacher College is that example. Schumacher as a place has nurtured and brought together so many impressive people like Kate Rayworth, Arne Ness, Rupert Sheldrake or James Lovelock, the founder of Gaia Theory. The college holds regular Earth Talks. In one of these talks, Satish reflected on proceeding from an attitude of consumption to an attitude of relationship, and even to trusteeship. If this is a learning journey, how can we start from that paradigm of ownership and travel towards an attitude of trusteeship? First of all, in order to do that, we need to change our attitude. We need to change our consciousness. We need to change our mindset. And we need to think that we are part of a great flow of life. We have received so much from our ancestors. We don't own anything. I speak to you in language which I have inherited from hundreds of thousands of people who have spoken English before. 
So I'm grateful to um, all my ancestors for the wisdom that they have given me. Poetry, art, music, architecture, and the nature has given me so much. The forest, the soil, the birds, the animals, all these are gifts. How can I say I own anything? Everything I have received from others, even my body I have received from my parents. How can I say I own my body? So we don't own anything. We are recipients of gifts from the universe. We are recipients from the gifts from our ancestors. And so now our job is to give that gift to others. So we give our teachings, our wisdom, our knowledge, our skills, everything what we have, we give to our children and our great-grandchildren and all other people receive it. So it is receiving and giving. And that is a relationship, not, a, not a, an ownership. We, we don't own the land. Land is a gift from the universe. We don't own the houses, because houses are made by our ancestors and houses are made with bricks and stones and wood and slates. And they are all gifts from nature. We did not create anything. We are created by others. So what we create, like writing a book or creating a garden or building a house, we make it for others, for, for the next generation. So if that have the mentality of gift economy, then changing that attitude, changing that consciousness, changing our mindset, changing our worldview, we become humble and then we create beautiful things. And we write poetry, uh, we make paintings, we build houses, um, we, we create beautiful things for others. And we have received so much, now it is our turn to give to next generation. So if we have that kind of attitude cultivating and that kind of mindset cultivating, then whatever age you are, you may be 40, 50, 60 years old, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be a young 18 or 20 year old student to learn. You can learn at any time. We are never too old to learn. And therefore I would like all of us to learn the new attitude of receiving gift from the ancestors with gratitude and then giving that gift to our next generation. Then we are just a kind of uh, a channel of gift. So economy of nature and economy of gift is our teacher. Moving from an economy of ownership to an economy of gratitude for the gifts we receive by nature and an economy of nature where we move towards trusteeship, that seems to be really hard to do when we find ourselves in a paradigm of economic growth, efficiency and return of invest. So how can we start? Yes, you know, the journey starts with one step. Wherever you are, you don't have you don't have to be in any one particular place in order to make the journey. Wherever you are, at whatever stage you are, you start first step in that direction of being a pilgrim. So what is the first step? First step is to learn about this holistic way of being. Uh, first step is to read a book or, or read a poem by somebody like Wendell Berry or somebody like uh, Teknathan or somebody like, I was recently at the Vatican and, um, and I was invited uh, by 
Pope Francis uh, to attend a conference of religious leaders and scientists together. And so Pope Francis, uh, um, uh, the encyclical about our common home, if you are Catholic, you can start with there, read it. Uh, or if you are a Buddhist, read Dalai Lama and Teknatan. And, and if you are um, if you are a German um, a kind of citizen, uh, read Goethe, read, um, read um, Rudolf Steiner. Start wherever you are. It doesn't have to be at Schumacher College or doesn't have to be um, uh, further away, uh, far, far ahead. You can start any first step that you think will help you, make you joyful, make you happy, make you inspired, and make you relaxed. And, 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 and let go of your burdens, of um, worries and anxiety and anger and fear. Let go, let go and, and start one step at a time. That's all everybody can do. There are always windows up and opportunities there to take. Uh, we have great literature, uh, we have great poetry, we have great teachers around the world. There is no one place like Schumacher College that everybody has to come and you have to be already ready Wherever you are, if you are in Russia, start with Tolstoy, start with Dostoevsky. Uh, wherever you are, you can start. In regard of the strong connection to nature and farming at Schumacher College, as well as knowing that Satish is an avid gardener and sometimes mentions the presence of weeds in his garden, even after nurturing it for more than 40 years, I was curious, how does systems change and transformation compare to gardening for Satish? It is absolutely, um, this is a garden of life. Whole society is a garden and our whole life is a garden. And in the garden, you get flowers, you get fruit, you get herbs, you get vegetables, and also you get weeds. And that is the design of life. And that's the design of the garden. Never expect that there will be no problems at one any time any particular time. Um, like on our body, body is designed in such a way that sometimes we get headache or sometimes we get toothache or sometimes we get uh, some um, knee pain. And that's a part of the design of life. Um, uh, when we are uh, 24 hours uh, in our life, so we get sweaty. So we need to have a shower. Uh, we get hungry. So we have to cook some food. So these are part of the design of life. And so uh, taking weeds out, I've been gardening for 40 years. I've been taking weeds every year. And so taking weeds out is an opportunity. Do not curse. Why do I have weeds in my garden? Never think like that. Never think um, uh, that way. Weeds are there to be picked and then put them on the compost and they will become a soil and, and that will become compost for your vegetables and for your fruit and for your herbs. And, and for your uh, anything you grow. And so any problem you face in your life is an opportunity. Like weeds are an opportunity to weed them out. And even when you're weeding out your weeds in the garden, it's a meditation. It's a beautiful act to do. You don't hate the weeds. You just use that as a meditation. And that becomes a healing process. You are not worried about weeds because they always be there. So this attitude of mind, of acceptance of life as it is, and then participating in the process of life, 
and accepting garden as it is and, and participating in the process of gardening and, and planting the seeds, watching the plants grow, seeing the, the plants ripening and the fruit ripening and the harvesting and then again start again next year. That cycle of life is how life is. So accepting the garden of life as a metaphor as well as in practice is a very important way to live our life joyfully and happily. Nature shows us how circular processes work. With a new cycle starting each year, a garden is not about a goal or a destination. In his reflections on pilgrimage as a way of travel, but also as a philosophy, Satish has contemplated intensively on thinking in this paradigm. As it is often easy to get fixated on specific goals or indicators, I ask Satish if the transition that we find ourselves in could be compared to a pilgrimage. Absolutely, absolutely. If we, that's why I call it a life pilgrimage of life, or we are life pilgrims. Because it's the process, not the product. Life is all about process. There is no final end. The end is death, and even death is a process. So this is why I called my book, my autobiography, No Destination. There is no destination. Everything is a process, and one thing leads to another. So if we accept life as a process and not a final product, then we are always engaged in the process of life. It's a journey. There's no place of arrival. There's no destination. We are always on the move. Uh, life is on the move. And we have been evolving from the time of the Big Bang. We are on this great journey of life from the time of Big Bang. We were present at the time of Big Bang in a very, very subtle way, even though at that time nobody could see humanity. We only could see gas, and then we could see water, and then uh, some vegetation came, and then millions of years later, some animals came, and even millions and millions of uh, years later, some humans came, even though we came so late, we were there at the time of Big Bang. And we have been evolving in this process of life for billions of years. And so this is a journey. Planet is, a, is, a, is on a journey. Planet itself, the Earth itself, is on a pilgrimage. And therefore, if we can have that detached view and yet engage in life and see the process of evolution as part of evolution, and a part of journey, and a part of pilgrimage, then we are free from any burden, any attachment, any kind of uh, anxiety. And this is the necessary um, ingredients for being an activist. This is the necessary ingredients for being an optimist and, and having hope, because we are on a journey. We can always take next step, and the next step, and the next step, and a step after step. And you, when you, would, uh, when you arrive somewhere, Still, it's only a short uh, uh, time for stopping. But in the game, you start journey uh, next, next day or next week or next month. So I think pilgrimage and journey is a beautiful metaphor for being, uh, being kind of engaged and creative and imaginative and inspired. In order to be inspired, to be creative, we cannot act from a mode of anxiety or stress as it prevents us from activating these capacities. I was really touched when listening to one of Satish's lectures, 
where he explored the need to act from love, not from fear. In regard of the anxiety which is all around us these days, and which we might feel ourselves, how do we do it? How do we act not out of fear, but out of love? How does courage arise? You know, courage is a gift already given to all of us. The word courage comes from cool, which means heart. You don't have to go to a shopping mall or, uh, or some gallery Lafayette in Paris or Marks and Spencer in London that, uh, to buy courage. We have all been given courage in our life. It is not something we have to get from outside. Each and every one of us are gifted with it. And therefore, only thing we have to do is to cultivate it, recognize it. I am courageous. I have the courage. I can act out of courage rather than out of fear. So this is natural to me. All of us. It's natural to us. So having courage gives you a kind of freedom to act. And you are surprised upon your own action, how much you can achieve. All of the great people who have achieved their goal in life, like Mahatma Gandhi, what, he was a very timid lawyer in South Africa. But when he was uh, thrown out of the train because he was a black man or not white, um, and he realized that this is unjust and inhuman. And that one spark created that courage in his heart. And he started to act. And eventually, he was courageous enough, fearless enough to go to jail and say that I'm going to prison like a bridegroom goes to wedding chamber. That's a courage. You can go to jail with love and, and, and with courage. So courage is given to us, all, to all of us. There is no lack of courage in our heart. Only it's dormant. It's sitting there covered with fear and anxiety. Allow the fear and the anxiety to disappear so that courage can rise and you can cultivate it and it can grow and you can do whatever you want to do in life. Look at Greta Thunberg. She went day after day, week after week, month after month, with courage, sitting on her own with a placard in front of the parliament in Stockholm, with that courage. Look at this one young girl can cultivate the courage. And now she can speak without fear to anyone in the United Nations or to the governments and Davos, anywhere. So that's a good example in our own time. Never mind Nelson Mandela and Mahatma Gandhi in the past. But in our own time, a young woman can show us that courage. So courage is a gift to everyone. We all have it. We don't have to go anywhere else to find it. We don't have to go to any shop to buy it. It's with you. Just use it, cultivate it, and do action, which is your heart's desire. And when you act, your courage will grow even more. That's all I can say. If life is a pilgrimage, and we take courage as one of the things that we put into our backpack to go on that journey, what else is it that we should also put into our backpack? The other thing you need to put in your backpack 
your backpack of your heart is trust. Together with courage, you need to trust yourself. You need to trust other people. You have to trust the universe. You have to trust the sun will shine and will give you energy. You have to trust the rain will rain and will give you water. You have to trust that the air will come and you can breathe. And trust that the, you plant a seed in the ground and it will become an apple tree. And that apple tree will give you thousands of apples for 10 or 15 or 20 years uh, to come. And so that trust is very important. Without trust, courage is not sufficient. Uh, courage is important, necessary, uh, and uh, uh, of, of paramount importance. But that courage should be complemented with trust in your heart. This is what I did when I wanted to walk from India to America via Moscow, Paris, and London. What I did, courage was, of course, necessary. I took the courage in my heart, but then I trusted. And, and I trusted uh, Muslims, Christians, communists, capitalists, black, white, rich, poor, whoever you are. I saw them as human beings, and I trusted them. So with that trust, I could go around the world for two and a half years without a penny in my pocket, with a single dollar or euro in my pocket, and I could walk, I get food, I get shelter, I get clothes, I get shoes given to me by the strangers. So if you can trust the people and trust yourself, then I think your courage and trust together can, can enable you to serve the planet Earth and serve humanity and be happy and joyful in your own life. We started our season with a coverage on COP26 and how we all relate to the events in Glasgow. To close for this season, I asked Satish on his view for what it takes so we can transform our way of living for a positive future. As far as COP26 is concerned, do not I do not expect it to be a final point. Uh, again, uh, like it's a journey, it's a process, it's a pilgrimage. So COP26 is a good um, step in the right direction, but it's not with a final. Uh, like COP15 in Paris was a good step in the right direction. But the matters are very urgent. And therefore, we have to sense, feel a sense of urgency. Um, and the, the change and transformation will come from bottom up as well as top down. So people at the grassroots level have to rise and have to transform their own lives. And we have to participate in this transformation without waiting for governments and industry and business and corporations to bring about change only. We all have to participate in it. And in order to participate, we have to let go of all our divisions and, and a narrow national interest and narrow sectarian interest um, rather than being divided because of our religions or nationality or race or color or gender. In whatever way we are divided, forget our divisions. Rise above our narrow uh, national, religious, or political um, uh, uh, interests and work together in order to transform our economy, our politics, our industry, our business, so that we can all become nature friendly and carbon friendly. So it is our responsibility, everybody's responsibility, not just Biden and and and. Um, 
and uh, Modi and Putin and Xi Jinping uh, and, and Macron and, and, uh, and the leaders of the world. But all of us are leaders. So take the lesson from COP26 as a good step. Whatever they have achieved, it may not be enough, but we all have to rise above our narrowness and work together because our house is on fire. The earth is on fire and earth is crying for some action. And the pan pandemic which we have just uh, uh, gone through or going through at the moment is a cry of the earth because of human impingement and human encroachment on nature and using nature only as a, a way of making profit and production and consumption and economic growth. That has to change. And we all have to participate, all human beings at the grassroots level have to participate as much as industry, business, corporations, and governments have to give the lead. So bottom up and top down, these two approaches should go side by side simultaneously, not just wait from the top down change uh, and not just do uh, grassroots movement. These, we need these two together in order to bring about a kind of transformation which is urgently needed because house is on fire and we cannot uh, wait until governments change or industry change or business change. We all have to change and participate. Everybody has to put their input and their uh, participation in transformation so that we can look after our precious planet Earth. With these reflections, we're coming to an end of season two. Thank you everybody for investing your time to discover your very own Inner Green Deal. If you've been enjoying the season, we would feel so glad if you help us by subscribing, sharing the Inner Green Deal with friends and colleagues, and by spreading the word. We would love to hear from you. How did you like this season? What are you hoping for in the next one? Please reach out to us via the show notes. We wanted to prepare a special ending for the season to give you some room to reflect on insights you might have had about sustainability, inspiration on compassionate leadership, or to connect to what is really dear to you, or simply small steps you would like to put into practice from next year on. We will offer no questions today, rather Satish made a gift to us all. As he's been engaged with contemplative practices for all his life, we humbly asked Satish if he would take us on a short practice. So with this, we invite you to find a calm space, wind down, and enjoy this practice. All the best from your team of the Inner Green Deal. Let's bring our both arms together. Breathe in. Breathe out. Relax your body. Smile. And then let go. Let go of all your worries now. Let go of all your anxieties now. Let go of all your expectations now. And with that letting go, breathe in. Deep breath. And then breathe out. And then smile. And relax. And feel that the breath we are breathing 
is the same breath which sustains all living beings, humans and other than humans. Thus, we are all connected. Breathe in, breathe out. Feel that sense of connectivity and smile. Relax and let go. See myself in the universe. And I see universe in myself. I see myself in the universe. And I see universe in myself. We are all connected. We are all related. With that sense of unity of life, breathe in. Deep breath. Breathe out. Smile. Relax. Let go. The whole cosmos is our country. The whole earth is our home. Love is our religion. We are all united. We are all related. We are all connected. With that sense of unity and connectivity, breathe in and breathe out and smile and relax and let go of all worries and all fears now. There's nothing to fear. And let the trust flow in your heart. And from your heart, let the courage flow. And by that trust and courage, breathe in and breathe out and smile and relax and let go. We are all connected. We are all related. We are interbeings. Breathe in. Breathe out. Smile. Relax. Let go. Thank you. Thank you.